Hi, and welcome to Creatives on Speed, where we talk to creative thinkers, doers, and makers from all walks of life about their work and their inspirations. I'm absolutely delighted to have my good friend, Phil Marriott, DJ and presenter on today. How are you doing, Phil? I'm good, Joe. How are you? I'm really well. So you're a DJ and presenter, but you also have fingers in lots of pies. So tell us a bit more about all the things you get up to. I always say to people that I plate spin, which sounds a bit of a show offy thing to say. It's like, oh, look at him. Is I try to do so much, but it's true. I just, I just get bored doing one thing. I think, but yeah, I, I suppose over the last twenty three years, I've been a radio presenter. I left my last radio job uh, back in August uh, of twenty twenty, but yeah, I've been a, a DJ and radio presenter for for twenty three years. Um, started off uh, in local radio for a radio station in Portsmouth called Radio Victory. And it was a real kind of fluky thing, actually. It was my partner at the time who managed to get a job there. And they, uh, after me going there to have a look around the, the station, they asked me if I wanted to do an overnight show. So that's how it started. And then I went on to become full-time there, uh, went on to work for other radio stations, such as Virgin Megastores Radio, WinFM, a local radio station in Winchester, and in media broadcasting, Bruno Brooks Radio Company. Uh, went on to work for them as well. And then Q Radio, Gaydar Radio, which is, of course, where, where you worked as well. That's how I met you. And yeah, the rest is history, I guess. And also, you, you're quite prolific on YouTube and you've got lots of, like, you know, do a lot of entertainment interviews. Like, tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, I suppose it's just a continuation of the work I was doing on radio, really. Because obviously, because uh, I'm not in radio now, so it, it's a real passion of mine to interview celebrities. Um, the YouTube station that I actually built up the channel is is more uh, an LGBTQ plus focus, but it's still entertainment. So it's people that work in the entertainment industry. Um, people such as Bianca Del Rio. Uh, there's a recent interview I did with Pete Lotti, producer uh, responsible for a lot of Donna Summer material back in the 70s, 80s. It's basically um, content that I think would appeal to, to that audience, which was the audience that uh, I was broadcasting to at, at Gadio and Gadio Radio as well. Yeah, it's cool. So, you know, really creative, really sort of interesting content, creating your own content always looks great on the YouTube channel. But let Thank me you. take you back a little bit to back in time. Oh, scary. Um, <laughs> don't worry, there's no, no, no warp factors or anything like that. <laughs> How far um, back are we going? <laughs> yeah, we're going way back um, to when you were growing up and, and talk to me a bit about like the things you did when you were younger, creative activities or anything else you were up to. I think this is probably going to be something that you can totally identify with because so many people I know did this as well, taping the charts off off the radio. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I always used to do. And it was really meticulous thing as well. I was trying to cut out the radio presenter talking, just have the tracks on their own. Because back in the 70s, and we are going back that far, um, it, it was obviously something that you could just get away with doing. Obviously, copyright, you never, no one really thought much about that back then. But yeah, I used to tape a lot of stuff off off the radio. My dad actually is a, a was a big influence for me because he he was a DJ as well. He ran a country music club, um, a place called the Highcroft. So he um, he used to host there as well. They used to have comedians doing cabaret, and he used to play play music as well. But he had boxes and boxes of vinyl, and I just remember being like six, seven year old, just looking through all this vinyl, just being mesmerised by all the all the music that he had, bands like Kraftwerk, not necessarily just country music that he had in these boxes, but I just remember being fascinated by 
the whole process of how you record music as well. He had a reel-to-reel recorder, wow. which I used to use yeah. quite a lot. So, so yeah, it was just kind of um, playing around with audio and recording as well. And I used to record a lot of radio plays off the off the radio, of Radio Four. Um, and and this is going to amuse you probably. I was about seven or eight when I used to do. Um, try and be presenter actually my my early days of of honing in on the on the radio thing i used to um read listings from the radio times with our next door neighbors rachel and emma they used to come around and we used to pretend that we we had our own radio show or tv show and just read the listings and i remember at the time uh reading out grand prix which was listed as as being on saturday afternoon and i i didn't know how to pronounce it and you can <laughs> Just guess how I pronounced it. I'm not actually going to say <laughs> how I pronounced it at the time, um, yeah. but yeah, so naive at that time. But yeah, that's that's how it started, I guess. What was your show called? I don't actually remember. <laughs> I, I have actually got the tapes lying around somewhere. I, I discovered them uh, really. Oh yeah, wow! Yeah, recently it was quite horrifying actually to think of the things I was I was getting away with back then. No, I, I share that. I used to do that as well, and um, I think it was called. It was called just the Joe show. And uh, I had a recipe. There was a recipe. There was lots of chart music. And I did a quiz, I remember. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I think that's something a lot of people who, who work in radio or audio generally, they've all they all did that when they was a kid. I think it just stays with you. Yeah. Um and just that sort of passion for like recording things and just creating creating a little world, you know, on audio in audio format. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah, so when when you were getting into radio in terms of like, you know, obviously you've got that sort of passion for music as well, that's really important. What were sort of big influences, um, you know, for you in terms of like genres of music or or particular things? I mean, your dad was into country, but I'm, from what I know about you, <laughs> country wasn't the thing that influenced your, your, no. your DJ journey. I can appreciate Dolly Parton now, though, now I'm older. <laughs> <laughs> being a being a gay man, I can appreciate it much more. But yeah, I suppose at, at the time I I I grew up uh, in the late seventies was when I really kind of discovered music. Really, I remember the first single I bought was Olivia Newton John, "A Little More Love," and I was you know completely fascinated by her acting career as well. I remember crying to my to my parents because they wouldn't take me to see Greece at the age of seven or eight. Um, but yeah, then I got into Olivia and John and then it was the punk kind of post punk period. The early eighties specifically was when I really started collecting, uh, vinyl bands like Saucelle and Depeche Mode, the human league. Uh, so it was a real synth pop kind of that genre was what I was really into. And I'm still massively into that now, but I just remember being, yeah, really inspired, not, not necessarily to be in a band, but just inspired by the the imagery as well particularly with you know album artwork i was very tactile with albums still am as well today and i just loved you know looking through sleeve notes to see who'd been responsible for for all this music yeah i absolutely loved music you know at the age of eight nine ten that's when i started to become really hardcore with like record collecting and in terms of like you know because obviously not just a DJ, you're a producer and you mix stuff as well. I think that what I find fascinating is the the whole process of mixing music. And um, you know, tell us, tell I, I think people be really interested to know what sort of process you go through when you're choosing songs to mix together or remix even. It's a really good question because I think there are different types of DJs. There are some DJs that are really kind of particular about 
how something is mixed so it blends but they're also djs and i think you know it's also another great kind of dj but they're not necessarily that bothered about um kind of mixing the tracks so they're both the, the same tempo because you can have you know like party djs you can have other djs that don't necessarily mix but they they suss out the crowd so they they get that atmosphere and they build on that atmosphere so it becomes a journey that you go on it sounds like a bit of a cliche in, in terms of how djs you know kind of build that night but it's so true I, I, don't, I don't think it you know necessarily has to be two tracks that you blend that, that are the same tempo that you mix in you beat match because i remember that's how i first started djing i think it was in the late late 90s when i first started and i learned how to how to beat match and it took me ages and i was so frustrated by it, the fact that i couldn't because I remember being being at school as well and, and learning drums and I just couldn't get it right. It's like when people tap their heads and rub their stomach yeah. at the same time. I could never get that either. It's just coordination things, just useless. But I think, yeah, I, I, I think if I was to do a DJ set now, not that I'm, I've been doing it much, obviously, with, with lockdown. Um, but if I was to do a DJ set, I would be kind of blending two tracks into each other, beat matching. But I, I guess it depends on what party you're doing, because I think you can do a party where you're not doing that and it can be even more riotous than, than the other one. And in terms of like sort of the tech you use, are you using mainly vinyl or is it CD mixers? What what sort of stuff do you use these days? I guess MP3s, MP3s now, although I've still got bags of CDs and every time I've turned up to, to DJ gigs, people have always said, why have you still got your CDs? It's almost like the CDs now have become what vinyl was. Yeah. It's like nobody uses vinyl, but of course people do. People play vinyl now, but vinyl is a lot harder. It's a lot harder to mix. But I think there are a lot of people that say, you know, you're not a true DJ unless you've played with vinyl, which I, I, I guess I can understand that because I think it's definitely an art form. But it's I think you have to be very, very um, tactile with it. Yeah. And then there's there's software like that helps you kind of play with stuff. And like when you're because you've done some remixing work as well. Um, what's what's that process like? And um, obviously you're collaborating with an artist, potentially another mixer or producer. How's how does that work? Uh, well, the, the remixes that I did with uh, the late Rich B, who, of course, sadly uh, died last year, he um, he kind of instigated that. We both went together and went into a studio with um, somebody who was mastering everything. And he and he was kind of overseeing that. So we it was almost like it was ideas that were coming together. We were both bouncing, bouncing ideas um instead of say me me at home producing tracks on my own it was very much a, a joint effort so it was like a group effort um but something i haven't actually been doing uh over the last year or so it's been a couple of years since i've been producing tracks but that was a great opportunity to do that though at the time and what how does that work so you get into a room and you you sort of you have the i guess the radio edit one of the bass track is and you're you're sort of saying, oh, we want it to be, you know, have a sort of this sort of vibe or that sort of vibe. How does it work? I think it can change. It can change because you what you start off with might not necessarily be the, the end result. I think you obviously start off with the stems of the track. So you get the, 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 the dry parts, the components of the track. So you've got the vocals, you've got the bass, you've got the guitar, you've got the, the backing vocals. And then you, you just build. And I think a lot of the remixes that we did uh, would sound totally different at the end because I think it's just again it's almost like a DJ set it's a bit a bit like a journey you go on this journey and you 
you have a, a rough idea of how you want it to sound, how you want the the end result to sound, but it can it can change quite quite dramatically along the way. And if you um, you, you know, I think like what's really comes across when you're sort of DJing and also when you're presenting is like your all sort of passion for the music that you're sort of playing. Um, what's the sort? What are the sort of tips and tricks that you have as a as a DJ or presenter to sort of keep you motivated, keep you inspired? Is there anything you do? That's a really good question. Um, I th yeah, I think passion. I, I think that's that's so important because I think if you didn't have that passion for the music, which is obviously is the the reason for getting into it in the first place, I I don't think it would be as enjoyable because certainly you know there are some people that would do it just for the money if they have a job, but I. I think DJ, I think DJs large, you know, by by large would would be doing it for that passion because I think a lot of people in the industry don't don't necessarily get paid that well, but they do it because they they enjoy it so much. I think seeing other other DJs playing as well can be really good for for people, especially if you're just starting out. Because if you if you are a club goer and you go to different types of events, you can see how how different the atmosphere is as well, and and, and what kind of tracks people are. Uh, uh, playing because I think you know a lot of DJs do mix up genres too and it's all about how how you find your feet I think it's it's feeding off the crowd because I think the crowd really do help build build a set in a way because because they're feeding off the energy and also you're observing like what's going down well as well so you you'll get an instant feedback yeah from, absolutely like you, I guess if you're like playing a certain beat or you're bringing in a certain sound or whatever, it's like, oh, that's going to well. I'll use that a bit more next time. And Absolutely. You know. Yeah, I remember going to a club called Love Muscle, which was at the Fridge in Brixton back in the late 90s, mid to late 90s. And it was it was really pivotal for me, actually, because it was just before I started DJing. And I, I, I learned so much from just seeing how the night changed as the different DJs changed as well. Because we had, uh, I think it was Gareth who played early on and he played a lot of kind of very housey Mariah Carey very very female led kind of vocals but but very 90s you know that whole kind of Tony Braxton feel yeah. um kind of uh you know masters at work very classic house and then it went on to uh Mark Andrews who just played stuff that was like 160 beats per minute <laughs> it was like crazy it was like toy, toy town in a good way yeah. I don't mean that as a disrespectful team because he was the most incredible DJ but it, yeah, it really changed. But again, it's the energies of the room, the people just coming in at the start of the set and just kind of socialising. So I, I think I think it's really good to see that and feel part of that, not just actually watch somebody as if you're watching a DJ on TV, but just to to feel part of uh, part of the event. And what's um, in terms of sort of continuing sort of to grow as a as a DJ or whatever, if if anyone's out there listening who wants to get into it, would you say just sort of start mucking around with particular yeah. bits of software or just do you know, it yeah just do the work because I, I think that's the only way of doing it and, and again it's the same with youtube as well if you're editing if you're um i don't know figuring out how you do the artwork for the thumbnails and the social media posts i think you just have to start doing it and a lot of people feel they don't feel confident about posting videos on youtube and starting a youtube channel because then they're, they're not confident being being on camera but I think you just have to do it and you have to learn by your mistakes. And it's the same with DJing as well, because I think you do make mistakes when you start out. I made so many, but I think it's how you learn, isn't it? Yeah. 
That's been brilliant. It's, so lots of stuff going on for 2021. You obviously, you've been doing through 2020 lockdown, lots of amazing live streams and keeping everybody entertained, which has been amazing. Do you think that's going to continue um, in 2021? I'd like to think so, yeah, because I think a lot of people will continue doing it because I think it's such a, I don't know, it's such a great, uh, very interactive way of, of reaching out to the audience no the audience aren't here with me in rumors and djing but I, I think you get so much from seeing people on the screen and and feeling part of that and in some ways i think it's it's actually better than being in a club because you can actually talk to people as opposed to being in a club when it's loud and you can't really hear people so i think it's a bit more it's a bit more hands-on and it's a bit more you get you get more back i think in return but yeah i'd like to think that it's going to continue i think it will i think a lot of djs will will carry on doing the streaming I suppose it just depends what what's happening with technology and if people are still using these platforms. But I think that's quite exciting in, in the fact that you can still be doing it even if other people aren't. It's a bit more of a niche thing. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks so much for your time, Phil. It's always really great to talk to you. Always thanks quite, for really me. excited to sort of see what you're doing next. So um, if people want to find out more about where you where you are and what you're up to, where can they find you? Yeah, I guess everything is on my website, which is philmarriott.net, double R, double T in Marriott. It's my nickname that was given to me by Catherine Ellis, the singer. Uh, it's stuck with me ever since. She thought it was highly amusing that every time I used to go on air, I used to say double R, double T, because everyone always spells it wrong. I always get the surname wrong. Um, but yeah, everything is on there. If you want to find me on YouTube, it's Phil Marriott on YouTube. I'm on Twitter, Phil underscore Marriott and Facebook uh, DJ Phil Marriott as well. We'll be putting on the website. All the links below, um, and they can go and listen to your amazing streams, your amazing music. Oh, Thank you so much, and um, I really hope to speak to you soon. Thanks, Joe. Thanks Take a lot care. for having me. Good to see you. Bye.